Welcome into another episode of Cast a Podcast with Ronnie Moore, and this is episode four, and it's from the road. I'm in my truck driving. I've covered the last uh, the last couple of days. I've covered a couple southeast states: Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Going through South Carolina right now as I do this podcast, but I wanted to uh, break down if you haven't checked out my other podcast episodes lately. Episode one was kind of a synopsis of how I got to my dream career, how I made it from uh, where I was through high school to college to uh, the professional ranks and how I kind of fell in love with this whole media deal and journalism and and covering and telling a story through different fashions and, and, and avenues like photography, writing, commentary, video, all kinds of things like that. So that was episode one. Episode two, I gave a brief tackle tip about fall fishing. Episode three, talked to legendary Bassmaster host Tommy Sanders, Hall of Famer, and uh, his kind of his path to getting to where he is in life. Uh, He gave some background on what he went to school for, some cool stories about his relationship with Jerry McInnes and how he got the call and the relationship was formed there to be on Bassmaster and and I dropped a cool little anecdote. I said, there's been more people walked on the moon than have hosted a Bassmaster TV show. So that's kind of crazy when you put it in perspective, that many legendary voices and people over the the 50 years of Bass and and that Tommy Sanders is one that I woke up with every single Saturday morning listening to Bassmaster on TV, watching it go down. Tommy was the voice that greeted us and so many others in the world. So pretty cool to get his take on how he got to where he is and then uh, where he thinks that we're going with Bassmaster Live, with the way media is changing, the way tournament coverage is changing. So got to talk to him for a little bit about that stuff. But in episode four, I'm going to tackle something a little different. I told you guys in the first episode that it's not going to be all about fishing. It's not going to be all about my career or tactics on the water or things like that, but rather Ronnie more what's going on in my life what's going on what's what's gone on in my life how I live day to day different characteristics and aspects of me that I uh, that I feel worthy to speak of you know this is an awesome opportunity uh, with the organization that I work with it's given me a platform that I might not have had otherwise and the ability to share stories help people uh, have a better quality of life if they desire to things that I do uh, that I just feel that are really important to me. And so it's kind of like the the F's, fishing, family, faith, friends, uh, free time, a lot of things like that. So in this one, I want to talk about the different things that people go through in life that help them to reveal what they should be. You know, and people are like, what does that mean? Well, there's every, something's happened in everyone's life that kind of tells them, hey, this is who I need to be as a person. This is what I need to do as a career. There are those moments in life that change you for the better, for the worse, whatever it is, however you take them. But they shape who you are and uh, they can really be memorable and impactful moments. And so for me, to give you a little background, I am a follower of Christ. I accepted Christ when I was nine or 10 years old in Statesville, North Carolina. And I can still picture South River Baptist Church across the cornfield. At the end of my road, I could see the church, and we saw it day after day after day. But one day, somebody came to our house. A couple people came to our house, reaching out to the community. And uh, 
that, that was history. They, they kept, kept investing in us a couple weeks in a row, came by when we were busy, and then we said, go away. They came back. We were busy. They said, go away, and they came back. And then finally, one day, we weren't busy, and they decided to, uh, to stick around, and we got to, we got to kind of talk to them about what Christ loves like, and my parents accepted Christ that night. I accepted Christ probably a few weeks later um, based on one of the boys, the, the younger boys that was actually with the adults. Uh, his name's Ethan Drum. I'll always be thankful for him. He was uh, the pastor's son. And he was on that little trip with some adults uh, to the community, and and he was a longtime friend for a good while there when I lived um, in that part of the country. But so I'm uh, before before I'm a, a husband, before I'm a commentator, before I'm a video editor, before I'm all of that, I'm a follower of Christ, and that's super crucial to me. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that stuff, but also how it in fact how it how I reacted to different circumstances over the last year, but how everything was brought back into focus through a couple cool acts. So uh, this is one that a lot of people can relate to because uh, everyone goes through struggles. And when you come out the other side better, uh, it really motivates you to share that positivity with others uh, because you know that everyone's got something going on in life that that is impacting them in one way or another, and somebody needs that hope that you got and that that you received uh, that keeps them going when they're going through tough times. So, for folks who know about the fishing industry or or vaguely or maybe not at all, so I'm going to set the scene for what happened at the end of 2018. That really changed the culture of the fishing industry, but it also changed uh, me for a period of time to someone I didn't want to be. So to put it in perspective, there was two, there's been two main fishing leagues organizations for the longest time. And those would be FLW and Bassmaster. And they've always been the two higher hierarchies. You know, that's the, in the hierarchy scheme of fishing industry, those are the two at the top, the biggest organizations. Well, a couple years ago, a uh, league called MLF came up, and they had like an auxiliary league almost. It was like pros from FLW, pros from Bassmaster would fish in this other league. Well, uh, but it wasn't their primary deal. They fished those other. They fished the two main leagues to as kind of an, a source of income as a as a consistent full time deal. And then uh, when they had free time between events. Uh, they had different events pop up and they would fish those. So for the longest time, it was just kind of like a secondary league that people would also, they, they would, they would fish as well. Well, last year they decided to become a full fledged tournament league. And in doing so, that now means there's three major leagues at the top of, uh, the fishing industry. You know, now you'll have Bassmaster, FLW and MLF. So those, those, uh, three are now. All up there at the top. There's only so many fishing pros in the world um, that that do it full time, and so they kind of formulated a plan and uh, an offer. And a lot of you know Bassmaster pros and FLW pros. There's there's roughly there was roughly 110 to 150 pros in each league. Uh, roughly 250 to 300 pros overall, um, and. There was they the, the new league wanted like eighty people, so they invited 
straight from the other leagues. They didn't have any other ways to pull pros uh, or, or I guess like the minor, they didn't have any minor leagues uh, feeder system. So they had to pull from the pros. So they uh, formulated a big plan and a deal and they invited pros from both leagues and pros left uh, Bassmaster and pros left FLW to go do this new league. But during that whole time, it was a stressful time in my life because I'm on the media side of things. I can't control certain decisions. I can't control different things like that. But what I do is I have relationships with a lot of these anglers. So I was on the phone with them talking, getting their getting their thoughts about things, seeing what maybe Bassmaster could do better, what we're doing well, what their what their thoughts are, what the whole situation and where they stand and whatnot. Never trying to convince people to come or go or stay or leave, any of that, because that is a individual's decision on how they pay the bills and how they provide for their family. So there's 80 different scenarios going on and none of them are ones that I can relate to because I am not a touring professional angler. So this stuff all happened and for about for about three weeks straight, I, I spent so many hours a day on the phone. I'd probably say in a given week, it was 60 to 70 hours of just pure, not like looking at your phone, like talking on the phone to, to people. I'd be, I remember specifically was driving on like a nine hour trip going to a tournament to cover uh, a Bassmaster Open and I would answer the phone, talk for an hour with someone, say see you later, hang up the phone and then another one would call not 20 seconds later and then you do another hour, you hang it up. By that time, you talk to five or six people for a for a seven hour span, and uh, and you're at your destination. And so, talk to a lot of people, spend a lot of time, and uh, the things people were saying it was very tough. It was very tough. I'm 26 years old. Last year I was 25, but I've grew up in this industry. This is what I wanted to do. This is a dream career. I look up to these anglers. They're uh, from when I was just a kid going to the events as a spectator to working with them and admiring them as some of the best in the world at what they do. So I got tight on a personal level, on a professional level, and you know, your feelings get hurt. I'm invested. If, if you do something in life, like for me, people do things in life that their parents want them to do. They go to law school, they go to be a doctor, they go to do these different things, and they don't really want to do it. Um, but that's not how I roll. If I do something, it's because I want to do it and I think it's worthwhile. It's worth doing. It's worthwhile. So it's an investment of my time. And so I invest this time building relationships and creating content and doing my job and doing all these things because I feel like it's worthwhile. It's something I was made to do. It's something I love to do. So I'm going to invest time in it. So when you're invested in something, and your heart's out there, it's it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. But at this point in my life, it had been rainbows and butterflies. I'd worked three years as a freelancer, two of those while I was still in college. What a blessing that is to be a junior in college and get the offer to work with Bassmaster and do those different things. You work as a senior and I got online classes and then, and then my first full year out of college, I was just on the road a lot, putting in the work, loving it move to Little Rock and and you love it just as much. It's a different kind of work, different requirements that I need to do and accomplish, but I love it. At the end of the day, I get to pay my bills talking about bass fishing and creating videos about bass fishing. 
and, and that's just a blessing in itself. So everything had been rainbows and butterflies for me. But at this point, when 60 pros decide to leave and they post on social media, they say these different things in public that the exposure wasn't there or videos weren't there or content wasn't there or they could be so much bigger of pros, but this reason or that reason, it hurts because you feel like it's your fault, even though even though it's not. Just playing out right, it's not. I did a good job. My coworkers do a great job. People do great things. Some people sometimes use justification. They use excuses for, for justification to make themselves feel better about the decision. And I get it. I do it too. But it, but I took it to heart. I thought I was doing something wrong. I was like, well, I do all these people who love me, thought I was great, all of a sudden are posting things that they thought were true, that I never saw, and, and different things like that. So it hurt. But there was a couple of different emotions when you get when you get hurt. It's you get angry or you get really sad or you get a mixture of both. And and I kind of had a mixture of both. So that's a that's a tough balance to have because when you're high and you're low, you're sad and you're angry and you're doing all these things, it changes who you are. I'm I'm not normally I have a temper. You know, I get mad at things, but I've really contained it over the last few years, and I've dealt with that. And I've really looked at life as a positive, through a positive lens, mostly because of the hope I have in Christ, knowing that at the end of the day, I am on a path that He has paved for me. He knows the decisions I'm already going to make. That doesn't mean He's picked the decisions for me. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't predestined me to do these different things. He just knows when there's a fork in the road, he knows which way I'm going to go already. He doesn't make me go a certain way, but he knows which way I'm going to choose. He knows when I reach in the cabinet, I'm going to pick peanut butter or jelly. He knows that even if I try to pump fake him, he already knew that I was going to pump fake him. So let's get that straight. I've got hope because of uh, my belief in Christ, what he has planned for us. But that's really hard to see sometimes when you're dealing with worldly, secular life events. Uh, uh, You just lose sight of that. You just lose sight of it. Um, So during those couple weeks span, turned into a couple months span, I was, uh, you know, you get angry, you act differently. You know, my wife is such a blessing because she was supporting me and praying for me through this whole time because I wasn't handling it very well. Maybe publicly I was, but privately it was tearing me up inside. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not at all because it's made me better and it's made me who I am and who I'm supposed to be because of the way I learn from it and I handle myself now. So, I basically changed. So my wife knew funny Ronnie, happy Ronnie, supportive Ronnie, you know, Ronnie that communicates, Ronnie that is sensitive to her feelings and things. And at this point, I was not that. And uh, we didn't struggle in our marriage. Don't I don't want this to sound like we were like, on bad terms, we weren't. She was praying for me daily. She was rooting for me. She was trying to support me. She was trying to help. But the same way I had zero control on a situation is the same way she had zero control if she could actually help me in any way getting out of that. You know, like she can't 
make it all better because the only way to make it all better at that moment was to bring people back, bring all the anglers back or whatever. Make it back like it was because life was good before that. Or at least I thought it was good. So I had kind of uh, not really supported my wife the way I should have or been there like I should have. Um, and, and so that was probably tough for her. And I, and I realized that, uh, you know, a few months later, but during this time, we had done a kids ministry at church on Tuesdays. We had started that back in June and every Tuesday, uh, we would go into the community with buses. We'd pick up some kids, uh, some kids meaning like 20 turned into a lot of kids, meaning like 50. So this deal we were doing on Tuesdays started to grow and grow and grow. And I was one of the leaders of that. You know, I really, I helped set that up. I helped contribute. So it was kind of a part of my daily week or my weekly, uh, my, my weekly schedule. So, uh, Sundays I'd put on that good face of like, everything's good. And then on Tuesdays, I'd put that face on everything's good. I'm, I'm going to be the strong, supportive leader to whatever ministry we're doing and everyone who's there and, and be whatever I got to be. But at work, at home, I just was just not myself. I just had a mask on of just unhappiness at times. So I just wanted to lay that out there on, on that situation. Tuesday nights, we did that. Well, uh, at this point, one of the youth group members... One of the kids had been coming to kids club. That's what we call our Tuesday deal and actually volunteering. You know, we're, we're covering kids from kindergarten to eighth grade. Basically, that seems like that's the whole range of kids that we're dealing with. And he's a ninth grader or is now a ninth grader, was an eighth grader at that time, but he was serving. He wasn't, he wasn't there to get something out of kids club or for us to tell him a story about Jesus or for to get a dinner or to get playtime, whatever. He was there helping. And he kept bothering me around this time, that October, November time for your time period. He kept bothering me and he would say, when are you going to be our Wednesday night leader? When are you going to be our Wednesday night leader? And I'd always blow him off almost. I'd be like, oh man, you know, I'm just super busy. You know, I, you don't want me as your leader. You know, you spend enough time with me on Sundays and Tuesdays as is. You don't want, you don't want me to be your, your leader. Um, then the next week, I'd be prepared. He's going to ask me again. He asked me again. I'd be like, no, man. I mean, like, maybe, maybe in the future. Like, let me, let me clear out my schedule. Let me find a good routine. And then maybe in the future, we'll make it happen. Did that for another week or two. And then finally, the rubber, rubber met the road. And one of my friends at church was their Wednesday night leader. But they only had one. Every group normally has two. And so... As their Wednesday night leader, he was like, hey, uh, I heard that so-and-so um, wanted you to be our leader, one of our leaders. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, so I heard that you were, you said you were interested. And I was like, well, do I sit there and lie to the guy? Do I lie to my friend and be like, no, I, uh, no, I was just kind of being nice. I don't, I don't really want to do it. Or is this like all of a sudden Jesus is standing there in the form of somebody else and saying – you're going to come and help on Wednesdays, um, whether you know it or not. So I said, well, I guess if he says that 
I'm going to be one of the leaders or he wants me to be one. I guess, yes, sure, I will do that. I will I will be there on Wednesdays and I will do that. Now, this wasn't something I need to, to talk to my wife about probably because she's already at church on Wednesday. She works at the church, so she already has roles that she does on Wednesday. So this was just my free time at home. But it was my, I'm going to preface this, it was my free time at home to stew and to be angry alone. And it's hard to look back in the mirror and say that. Uh, everybody likes free time and they think free time's a positive. I've never heard someone say, I've got free time as a negative. But this was what it was a positive to me because I was letting less people down on Wednesdays. I was by myself, mad. My wife can come home and now I've got it all out of my system and I don't have to do that when she's there. Well, that was going to end because I'm going to be busy on Wednesdays now. So I got to got involved with the youth group around December, late November, maybe around Thanksgiving, something like that. I can't remember exactly the date, but it was around this time period. And you know, everything is what had been done is done. We already have our new anglers, you know, we've added to the field. We have 75 and that's the number we're looking for. Um, all the other leagues have their rosters. Everything's all established. So it's all going and there's no turning back. It's, uh, you know, the off season. And then in a few months, the fishing, fishing's going to start back up and we have our roster of anglers. So no panic there. We have, uh, you know, we, we have the opens, we have the Bassmaster opens, we have all these things and we filled our leagues through that. So that's all good. Everything's taken care of there, but still, still frustrated, still trying to figure out how to make, make our future anglers happier, make ways that we can correct what we were maybe doing wrong, things like that, or things that we weren't doing, not doing wrong, but things we weren't doing at all, maybe, or things that we needed to improve on. So I'm sitting there trying to help where I can coming up with ideas, doing different things and, and just kind of just putting in the work. So I, uh, I start doing the youth group deal and I realize now I've got to be, I've got to be, um, a mentor not only on Tuesdays, but on Wednesdays. I've got to be a biblical man to children and teenagers and, and people who look up to me maybe. And that that's a big responsibility. It's one of the most important responsibilities I have in life. Uh, now looking back, that is, that is so crucial. So what I did not know, I grew up in church, like I said, I, or when I got saved, we, we went to church and that was the prime time years of, of my life, you know, that's learning years and impressionable years, so I, I was in the youth group heavily, went to college, and, uh, and me and Sarah would go to church on Sundays, but we were just going to service, we weren't connected with a Sunday school or a youth group, we're obviously in college, so it's not youth anymore, it's, it's a college ministry, we weren't really connected there, but we would go to church, and, and my wife got saved in college, but I hadn't had that community of strong believers or people that I can grow and learn with that were similar ages or a little younger. Like it's just refreshing to be around young people sometimes. So moving here, we had a great community of believers that I talked to weekly about the struggles that I was going through at work and everything. And and some weeks it was up, some weeks it was down, whatever the, whatever the case may be. And with the youth they don't need to know what's going on in my life because they have stuff going on in their life and I need to be there for them. I need to teach them about what Jesus has done for us and what, 
uh, what's the good things in the world are and, and how to watch out for the bad things in the world. And so they don't need to know these different things. But what I didn't know, youth was great for me when I was a kid, like I said. What I didn't know that youth, youth was great for me as a 25-year-old man. It was so, so important in my life that I got back on a couple day a week time in church. I had done the Sundays and worshiped my heart out, um, studied my heart out on Sundays, had our Bible study in the evenings, did all that stuff. But it's just one day a week. Then we do kids club Tuesdays. So now we've got some kind of lessons, Bible lessons on Tuesdays as well. And now Wednesdays. So now I'm going to church three or four times a week because I'd have other activities, other, other events that I'd help at. So I'm going to church much more. I'm really pouring in. And all of a sudden, life starts getting good again. Not that it had been bad because life is always good. It's always a blessing. Every breath you take is, is a blessing that you should be grateful for. But life started to feel good again. I wasn't getting as angry. I was slowly coming off of that deal. And uh, I was more at peace with some of those things. Um, you know, and I talked a lot about it with some of my closest friends. I talked a lot about it with my wife. I never really apologized to her for the way I was. So, but I was getting better. I was sharing stories of that. I was seeing them learn about Christ, seeing them, seeing Christ come out in those kids' lives. And that was super awesome. So that three-month time period when I really needed a friend the most, or I needed, I needed God the most, but I had stopped looking for God. God came looking for me and never stopped. He never stopped looking for me and he found ways to pull me to him, which is super awesome to think about. You always have that. Everybody's got that friend. Sometimes you're that friend. You're always reaching out to your buddy, always reaching out to your buddy, hoping he's doing okay. You there, if you need me, I got you. You need me, I got you. Sometimes we need someone to do that as well. So I was always like, hey, what can I help with? How can I edit a video to make, you know, make it good? How can I, what kind of content do you want on social media? What kind of this or what kind of that? But I wasn't having anybody saying, what do you need? But Christ was knocking at the door the whole time. So these kids were, these kids were impacting me and making everything come into focus. It's like they handed me a pair of glasses that were the right prescription and I was seeing things much clearly, much clearer. So fast forward to a couple months later, you know, it's the early 2019. Fishing's going great. The Elite Series, they're just wrecking them everywhere we go. The anglers are super appreciative of things. And, and I'm having a blast again. Work is great again. But I realized that my identity isn't, isn't in how a Bassmaster event goes. My identity isn't in if... If, uh, you know, if I get views on social media or if we do this or that, or if we, if we have the best, whatever, my identity is not in that. And I realized my identity is what I was doing five days a week, six days a week at work was nothing compared to the, to what I was doing three days a week with church ministries. And you get that feeling like I was looking forward to going to church. I remember getting drugged to church at times when I was growing up. Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go. Oh, I'm this. I don't want to go. But I'd get, my parents would take me. And the way they raised me shaped me to just overcome. 
work hard, live right, don't give in to temptations that that make you change who you are. And this was changing who I was, those situations. So I kind of gained clarity. I gained clarity on where my hope is, where my identity is. I was realizing, you know, we, we read some scripture and and it kind of just running through my head. I'm a big metaphor and analogy guy. And I love connecting sports to different situations and all kinds of different things like that. And I was realizing it was almost like at school when someone says that you're not athletic or you're not smart or you're ugly or you're this, you're that. And it hurts your feelings. What the words they say hurt your feelings. And you're a kid. As an adult, you're like, it does not matter. What those kids say doesn't matter. That's what you're going to tell kids. What they say doesn't matter. But then I really caught myself that one day and was like, what they say doesn't matter. What they say doesn't matter. Wow. Why haven't I been listening to my own advice? What people were saying or what what I was feeling, it did not matter. Because when someone says, you're dumb, Christ is saying, you're loved. When they're saying, you're not athletic, you're not good enough, Christ is saying, you're my, you're my child. You're my, I created you specifically. And we lose sight of that. We lose sight that he knew how many hairs were on our head when we were born. He knows how many hairs will be on our head when we're 85 years old. How many pieces of sand are on the beach. He's created all these things. And we just seem more like a, we're just like, he created this whole world and we're just a part of it. No, he created us to be a part of this world, to be the a very, very important, if not the most important piece. He says in the Bible that, he saw, um, he, he, he created, you know, day and night and he saw it was good. He created land and sea and he saw it was good. He created fish and birds and he saw it was good. And then when he created Adam and Eve, he saw that it was very good or different. So my identity was tied up in how good I'm doing my career, your aspirations. I'm, I'm on an, I'm on an uphill climb and I'm doing well and I'm, I'm raising up and I'm feeling successful and whatnot. And then it comes crashing down. But that's because I lost sight of what mattered. I had God as my little chihuahua dog beside me. And instead of in front of me, I had moved him over from in front of me, over beside me, and I put my goals and my career in front of me. And that's when stuff started going bad. Or it was going the way it was supposed to. It wasn't going bad. It was going the way it was supposed to, and I was handling it bad, handling it terribly. So a year's gone by, and I am at peace with every single breaking news thing in fishing industry. It's all good. Now my friends text me and they're like, "Did you see the news?" and I'm like, "Yep. It's all good." Like I don't even I don't even have a comment. It doesn't it doesn't phase me anymore. My heart does not skip a beat because I know that God has a bigger plan for me than what I do day to day. I feel like you ever feel like you do something but it's enabling you to do something else. I feel like my ability to be to do what I love to do in bass fishing is giving me the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people and to tell them what I really care about and that is my faith in Christ. So it's cool when you get that. I feel like I've been a mature person my whole life for my age. 
uh, going through high school, I didn't do all the different things that kids did or get in trouble for or whatever. That's just not the way I lived my life and uh, kept me out of a lot of trouble and, and I carried that into college and I, and I did things the way I feel is the right way and my wife did as well and that's led to a very happy marriage and life that we've we've had so far and you know it's it's cool when you get that when you go run across that creek on a gut instinct I need to go do that that's the right thing to do and you run across and you catch a fish you're like bingo that was the right move let's do it again when you do that in life when you make a decision or you decide not to make a decision on something and it works out you're like that's the right thing well, investing time with the youth group, investing time at church and those ministries has been the ultimate thing for me. It is it is where I need to be, and uh, now I handle tough situations way, way more, uh, way more the way I should. It's a terrible sentence. I'm now handling bad situations the way I should, uh, way more effectively than I was before, because I was just letting my emotions get out of hand. So tough situations will come and go in life um, but God revealing himself to you is one of the coolest if not the coolest thing ever and it almost brings me to tears thinking about it um, because you always want that person in your corner you always want that friend that's calling you seeing how you're doing you always want that person cheering you on my parents do that a lot my wife does that a lot and uh, to have the creator of the heavens and earth care about you enough to guide your life to where you're supposed to be if you listen if you take that time and be quiet and you listen or you you just feel called to do something and you do it or whether someone else feels called to have you do something and they ask you like in my case forever changes my life forever changes my life so I got to share this story uh, it's a part of my testimony which is weird. Your testimony never stops. Uh, it never stops. But normally people think of your testimony as like the day you got saved, how you got saved, early things in life that you struggled with, that you overcame through faith, those different things. But my testimony is you get saved, you go through life, 15 years after you get saved, something really bad happens, and then you're more on fire for God and the real cause for life than you've ever been in your life and it's like I got saved all over again because I knew where I didn't really I don't really care if people like me or they don't like me and that's weird to say everybody cares if you people like you yes I care if people like me if I'm being a jerk and no one likes me there's something wrong but if I'm being who I am as a person and as a follower of Christ as a human my characteristics there will be people like 50% of the world didn't like Mother Teresa. 50, 50% of the world loved Mother Teresa. So many people hated Jesus. So many people love Jesus. You're never going to have everyone like you or you're never going to have everyone hate you, no matter how bad it is. So I just, I know who I am. I value those characteristics and, and my gut feelings on, on who I should be and how I should act and, and where my faith is. I hold on tight to those. And it doesn't bother me if someone doesn't like me. Doesn't bother me. I don't get too high. Don't get too low. If someone doesn't bother me, doesn't or if someone uh, someone doesn't like me, or someone does like me, and that's where uh, I was able to give that confidence to the kids. Let them know that when they're going through high school, they're going through these different things. That 
you're going to have people that are going to tell you, come to this party because then we'll be good friends. They should be good friends with you whether you go or not. Come fish this tournament or come fish that tournament. We can be friends if we fish it or not. And learning that at the age I did with the circumstances I did, I'll forever be grateful for that period of time of my life um, because God put everything back into focus. He gave me He gave me glasses I did not own and did not know how to purchase. Gave them to me and uh, said, no charge. Just follow me. So I wanted to tell you guys that story because it gives me hope. No matter what you're going through in life, you think you deserve a raise, that other person gets a raise. Be happy for them. It's so very hard. We say, oh, I'm happy for you. But are you really genuinely happy for someone? And so... I've, uh, that's also changed my, my life as well as, is being genuinely happy for people just because they got that promotion. That didn't make you lose money. They got, they got more money and they're going to be financially sound. That doesn't mean that you lost money as a result. Maybe they got a new boat and you can't afford a new boat. That doesn't mean you need to be jealous or envious. You need to be happy for them because they accomplished something that you would like to accomplish. So it keeps you working harder. So I'll always continue working hard. I'll always continue doing these things, but it's all in perspective of if I lose sight of why I'm here on this earth, what God has planned for me, if I lose sight of that, it doesn't matter how successful I am at work. It doesn't matter if I got two nickels to rub together or two $500 bills to give out. It does not matter how successful I am. Like they say the phrase, like, What's going to happen to you if you gain the whole world, you lose your soul. If you're not focused on those things and you're successful, awesome. You're successful. You're going to leave it all here anyways. But what you're going to take with you is your faith in Christ. You're going to take your witness with you everywhere you go. People are looking. People are looking at you, seeing how you handle things. And... uh, Knowing where I stand with Christ, knowing that he's got my back at all times, I can never be good enough to earn Christ's love. Can't be good enough. Now, let me get this straight. It's a gift. You don't earn a gift. Someone gives you a gift because they want to give you a gift. They thought about you. They purchased a gift. They gave it to you. So with gifts, you could be terrible all year long. Your birthday comes around, you get a gift. That's what we do. That's how how it is because there are people who love you. Well, Christ loves you. And no matter how good you think you are, you're never good enough to earn his gift of salvation. But you're never bad enough to lose his gift of salvation. That's the amazing thing about it. You can never be good enough to earn it. You can never be bad enough to lose it. It's a free gift. All you gotta do is accept it. Understand what he came and did all the burden that he took on his back when he went to the cross and uh, what that means for us for eternity. All of this stuff on earth will go away at some point. But those are the lasting things. That Those are the things that mean the most. So I wanted to tell you guys that um, there will be people who will try to poke holes in this or they'll be doing whatever. But like I said, I don't care. It does not bother me. Because I know this has been on my heart for months and months. At fall retreat at church, youth went to the, 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 the fall retreat. I was there as like a chaperone leader. And I got to take 45 minutes of time 
and share this story and how it connects to the to the Bible, how it connects to different things with the youth. And I got to be open and raw with them about it, like shedding tears in front of them because it means that much. And I'm ashamed that I lost sight of that. So I want you guys to know where my hope is uh, in the good times, where my hope is in the bad times, and uh, that it'll genuinely change your life if you accept Christ in your heart, knowing that he came down from earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, took that burden upon himself, and made that sacrifice, died, rose from the grave, and then ascended into heaven, where we'll meet him one day if you accept and believe that he did that for you. And that's where my last 365 days has been. And one of my favorite passages, I'll, I'm not going to quote it uh, word for word, but basically, the book of James, chapter 1, hits you right there at the beginning. James 1, verse 2, and verse 2 through like verse 7, verse 2 through verse 5, something like that. It talks about your faith and how it will grow under bad times. When your faith is tested, only then will it grow, will your endurance grow. Just like when you work out. Uh just like when you work out, your muscles are super sore, but there's your indication that it's working. There's your indication that your muscles are growing. When tough times come and your faith is tested, your beliefs are tested, that's when you have a chance to grow. That's when your faith has a chance to endure and be stronger. So when tough times come, people want to try to change them and control them, give them to God. It's the best thing I can say for you. No matter if they're small, no matter if they're big, he created us the way we are and he knows what we need. Not what we want, but he knows what we need. So I wanted to do this podcast, or I wanted to do this in general, but this is a perfect place to do it. I got to take up 40 minutes of time for this podcast, but it means the world. I could talk 24 hours about this because it's that important. So if you're going through a tough time, I've kind of laid it out how I dealt with it. If you want to reach out to me, you can. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I struggle with things daily. But I let them roll off my back a little bit more because I realize that God's got it all. He won the battle. He already won. It's all good. We just got to we just gotta hop on, hop on the team, jump on the bandwagon, and believe it in our heart, and uh, everything will take care of itself. So that's the piece that that you desire. That's the void in your heart that can't be filled with anything else. And I'm super thankful that I got to go through uh, a terrible time in my life. And it's weird saying that, but I'm super thankful. I'm going to say it again. I'm super thankful that I went through a terrible time in my life because it made me who I am. It's changed and it's it's reassured that this is the right thing. And uh, it'll always forever be a part of my testimony. So Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. For some of y'all, you'll listen to five minutes. It might be too long. But for those who need it, you guys would have listened the whole time. And I hope you got something out of it. Uh, Because what's in this podcast is long-lasting. It lasts forever. And uh, it is who I am as a person. And it's what I've overcame in life. And everybody loves uh, those stories because we all have those stumbling blocks, those, those trials. And uh, how you overcome them defines who you are. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast. 
told you it was going to be deep. We're going to talk about everything in my life. Fishing, fun, family, friends, faith, free time, whatever. I don't know any other words that are F that would be applied. Maybe football, fantasy football. We'll talk about that too. But hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, it's Ronnie Moore with Cast to Podcast.